Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're here to celebrate Pirates of the Caribbean, first of the Black Pearl, which is hitting its 20th anniversary this summer. Pretty crazy. Uh, we were going to have a Fake True Stories co-host Isabel on the show. Unfortunately, she could, she could not make it, but hopefully we'll get her out to an Oscar Sunday one day. Uh, but regardless, this is a great movie. Going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a childhood favorite. I've I've loved this franchise at least the first three, my my whole life. It's a it's an epic, fun pirate tale. There's not enough pirate movies out there, probably because you know the not like the, the bar's been set pretty damn high by these. And uh, I think this is the movie that really like catapulted Johnny Depp to like superstardom. I mean, he was a name, but then Jack Sparrow made him you know a global star. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. Uh, I'm with you. I love like love these movies. First three again: Curse uh, of Black Pearl, 2003; Dead Man's Chest, 2006; and uh, World's End, uh, 2007. So they, uh, you know, <clears throat> based this these movies on a fucking theme park ride. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy that it's that it's you know all these characters are like for the most part original. Or and you know obviously Davy Jones like in the second one's inspired by, you know, a bunch of different like tales and stuff. But uh, I mean like like Jack Sparrow is obviously based on a lot of stereotypes. You know like the drinking of the rum and all that stuff and being kind of a uh, you know really witty and you know kind of dumb but smart at the same time. You know those kind of things like very stereotypical stereotypical pirate stuff. But there's a lot of like original work here and original dialogue and I, I love that well i like how they took kind of you know the pirate you know like you said the stereotypes and the the mythology and crafted a pretty original cre- like creative story out of this you know this was like before the movie the pirates of the caribbean ride at disney world was like you know a pirate skeleton you know yo-ho yo-ho and then like you know some gold and a boat that's it like there was no there's not a story there like they create yeah. they built this from scratch for the most part and then you know incorporating davy jones and the kraken and the sea goddess and the pirate like court and all that just made this even cooler yeah completely brought it to life and not only brought it to life but what it was like extremely successful you know the the first movie made around 700 million dollars at the box office and then the second one crossed the billion threshold and it was like, oh, okay, this is like a really, really profitable franchise. Uh, regrettably, the second two, I want to say the fourth one came out in 2011 and the fifth one came out in 2017. I just don't care for either of them like at all. They're both they're both kind of bad, in my opinion. I haven't seen them since they came out, so maybe I need to give it another whirl. But compared to the first three, and for me specifically the first two, it's just, it just no contest at all. I mean... It's, Curse the Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest are two of like my favorite adventure movies of all time. Oh, I'm with you, man. And with four and five, every few years, I do have that like that thought of like, was I too harsh? Did I miss yeah. something? And then I try to yeah, watch them yeah. again, and I'm like, no, I was right. These are shit. Um, I ha- I literally haven't seen them since theaters, both of them. So it's been 12 years since number four and, and six years since number five. Well, I, I, I'm bummed out that we got a movie where Ian McShane plays Blackbeard and we got a movie where Javier Bardem plays a pirate ghost and they're not great. <laughs> what a waste. Ah. Yeah. Where, where the, 
the first three movies nail the villains like just so well you know jeffrey rush and uh bill nye playing you know davy jones like like they're such incredible incredible actors and incredible performances and they're written so well the whole barbosa storyline is so sick uh and the davy jones man when i was you know like 11 when the second movie came out and saw in theaters i was just like this this is this is like the coolest and scariest you know villain in one of these movies that I'm allowed to watch in theaters, you know, that, that I had ever seen. It was so cool. And, and for me, you know, like a lot of people who were born probably in, you know, 1970, they grew up and, you know, Indiana Jones was their thing. Right. Or, or star Wars or whatever. Like this, this was mine, you know, parts of the Caribbean, these movies at age eight, 11 and 12, these were my, these were my world as far as adventure movies go. I I did grow up with Indiana Jones and Star Wars, you know, because I had them on tape. But Pirates was also like my first big screen adventure yeah. series. Yeah, and I was, you know, watching them this uh, past week. One thing I was really more enamored with than ever before was how beautiful the CGI still looks. Yes, like, I can't believe that that movie. You know, especially Dead Man's Chest. That movie came out in two thousand six. There's movies that came out last year that don't look that good. Yeah, I, I don't know what they did, but oh, it's it's amazing. Especially Jones himself looks like such a real character. Just the performance and the mocap, it all works together to make a truly perfect CGI character that looks like he's standing right there for real. Yeah, do you fear death? <laughs> yeah, it's such a sick fucking character, dude. Yeah, man, I, I remember... The first time I saw Black Pearl, I didn't see Black Pearl in theaters. So my, I remember my mom, my dad, and my oldest brother, Adam, they all went to see it in theaters. Um, cause Adam at the, you know, Adam's, uh, he's like four, almost five years older than me. And so at the time he was like, you know, whatever, 13, I guess when it came out or 12 or 13. And they took him and, he came home and was like, Oh my God, it's the best movie ever. You know, like he had that kind of attitude and I was like, well, I want to see it, you know? And then I remember we rented it at blockbuster shout out to blockbuster rest in peace. We rented it and like watched it as a whole family. Like we all got to pick out one snack, you know, like a candy, we all got a soda, you know, and I was fucking eight years old. I, I still remember this in the, in the living room that we lived in the house we lived in when I was growing up. And uh, I, I still remember my reaction, you know, to, that initial attack uh, on Port Royal uh, by Barbosa and his crew, that initial attack when you see Will Turner throw the ax at that one guy, and then you see him again, and you're like, wait, that guy should be dead, you know? And you start putting the pieces together as a kid, like, oh, they're, they're like the undead, you know? And, and that stuff is just so, uh, so vital to figuring out storytelling as a child. And it kind of creates who you are and how you receive things. So, this played like a huge role in my life um, as just kind of, Oh, this is what's new. This is what I like. This is the popular kind of stuff. IP, you know, uh, franchise stuff that I dig as a child. I'm with you. You know, I watched Indiana Jones at, as a really young age, but I knew it was an old movie for pirates to be like new and something that I could talk to like my, my, my um, friends at school about was such a cool experience. And I'll, I'll, I'll always, I'll never take that for granted. I'll always appreciate that. That's awesome, man. I love that. I love the personal connection you've got to this. Uh, I'm surprised Disney was 
willing to go as dark as they did with these movies yeah. and then never touch that kind of dark again. Like outside of Star Wars and Marvel and like, you know, they'll go there from time to time. And like in stuff that has Walt Disney pictures on it, they've never gone this hard again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I watched, of course, Curse of the Black Pearl, because that's the movie we're going to be giving awards out to. And it was up for five, um, five Oscars at the 76th Academy Awards. We'll, we'll get into all that stuff a little later. But I, I, I watched Dead Man's Chest the next night, you know, last night. And I forgot at the beginning of the movie, you know, when we before we see uh, Johnny Depp shoot uh, the bird out of the, you know, out of the coffin, which is like such a funny introduction to him. Before that, you're seeing a guy like getting dragged to like be murdered. You know, and he's being dragged and there's blood all over his feet. It's like in the first five minutes of the movie. And you're like, oh, my God, like this is this is brutal. And he's screaming like like he's about to go into the depths of hell, you know. And I was I mean, it's a PG-13 rating. So obviously you're allowed to do some stuff like that. But it gets darker and darker. Dead Man's Chest as it goes when you get introduced to Davy Jones and his crew and what what they're all about and that they're all all on like a contract is pretty brutal <laughs> you know it's it's pretty crazy to kind of uh digest that as a kid uh, i i was always just enamored by it though like i always had like a a fascination with just kind of the the lore of of these these movies when it comes to horrifying sequences nothing beats the scene in at world's end where jones kills beckett's right hand man with his fucking squid face and just like chokes the guy. Yeah. Like with his squid tentacles, like going into his eyes and his nose. And shit. I'm like, kids are watching this. Like, this is a ride at Disney World. Holy shit. There's few horror movies with with kill scenes that gruesome. <laughs> yeah. He's just I don't know. He he's a he's kind of like a, a Voldemort, just kind of uh, I mean, just destroy, seek and destroy. And I don't know. I don't know. It's it's amazing how how fascinated you are as a kid by those characters, but also as an adult, you know, uh, it translates so well to, to like my viewing now, you know, I still, still love these movies. Like I still give the first two a nine and the third one an eight, you know, these are good fucking movies. As soon as we're done here, I'm popping in at world's end. Like I've been waiting for that all day. Yeah. I, I might do the same. I might wait till tomorrow. Uh, just cause it's, it's a little late here on Saturday night as we record, but, uh, who knows, maybe I'll catch a second wind and, and go with go, but I'm going to finish the trilogy now. You know, I should be watching stuff for the Oscars next month, but <laughs> like, fuck it. I, I I like going to this world, man. I like being in Port Royal. I like being in Tortuga. All these different places. Um, have you been on that ride before? I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland. Okay, really. so they have the so they have the ride at both places. I I went on the ride when I was five at Disney World. I don't remember it at all. But then I went to Disneyland when I was twelve, and I vividly remember. Because at that time I had seen all three movies. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I knew, like, I, I was, I was amped up for it. My dad kept saying, "This is what inspired, the, like, those movies that you love so much." You know, and I was like, "Wow, that, you know, this is this is crazy." Like, I'm seeing the source material, and it has really nothing to do with <laughs> how awesome the movies are. I can, however, say I have been to Port Royal, Jamaica. Oh, there you go. That's great. Yeah, that was Port- cool. We were driving past it. And I was like 11, 12 years old. My mom's like, "Hey, that's the." place from pirates and i'm like what i looked around and i'm like oh cool i'm in pirates yeah i'm in pirates yeah did you so so this is a special time 
this is something I want to kind of talk about before we get into our awards and really, really break down the movie. So 2003, to be so lucky as a, as a, as a child to have this movie and Lord of the Rings finishing that year in the same year, it's like passing of the torch from one franchise to the next. I mean, do you, do you recall just kind of how awesome that was as, as an eight year old? You're like, I I mean, I'm in heaven. (laughs) I can't, you know, I, I don't really remember my first times with Lord of the Rings. I think I, I know I saw return of the King in theaters because my parents took me on Christmas day and the whole family got pissed that my parents ducked out on Christmas day to go see a movie. I remember that, but the movie itself, you know, I'm an, I'm eight years old, three and a half hours long. I don't have that kind of attention span at that age. I was probably like, you know, just, ah, just like looking around, <laughs> but when we got them, yeah, I was probably like, this is long. I'm out of popcorn. <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when I, I found them on my own, you know, I had we had the DVDs and I would watch Fellowship whenever I was over at my aunt's house and they were doing shit. And I was like up in the bedroom watching Fellowship because that was like the one movie they had that I liked. So I just kept watching that over and over again. And then from there, yeah. I was like Two Towers, Return of the King. And I just that became something I appreciated. But in the in the year itself, I think I was way more, you know, pirates than lord of the rings it took took some time for me to kind of adapt that to my to my own likes yeah i certainly was as well uh it was definitely a huge huge pirate. they're not they're not that hard to follow the parts movies you know and even even like the little nuances that you notice now as an adult that's like part of the genius of you know gore verbinski and, and what's going on here with these movies is if you're an adult it rewards you with those nuances if you're a kid, you don't really need them to catch on. At the end of the day, you know, like the best example I can think of is in Dead Man's Chest when Will Turner is talking to Lord Beckett towards the beginning of the movie and they're making the deal about the compass. All you really need to hear as a kid is get the compass and we have a deal. The, all the dialogue before is like, it's kind of for people who are older that are, you know, sitting through the movie. To kind of have, you know, oh, oh, look at this. It's kind of this highbrow conversation. But as a kid, you're like, cool, that guy needs the compass from that guy, and that guy's going to try to go get it from that cool Jack Sparrow guy. That's all I need to know. But as an adult, like, I love the line, you know, the world is changing, the blank edges of the map filled in. It's like, as a history buff, I'm like, yeah, this is, there's so much less to discover now because we've conquered everything. And these, this is the age of, you know, the age of monsters is coming to an end. The, the, The fairy tales are dying. And that's kind of what this movie represents. But as a kid, you're just like, Squid Man's cool. And yeah, 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 it's for everybody. Exactly, and I like. I'm totally cool with that. You know, um, I kind of, I kind of like that about it. That it, it's going to reach generations forever because of that, that kind of accessibility to it. Uh, and and you know, these movies are on Disney Plus right now, so they're going to be probably forever as long as you know, as long as Disney Plus is around, and I'm sure that will be for a very long time. So that's cool. You know, they're 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 right there. Uh, we own. I think we own all three the first ones i think uh but i i don't know i the convenience of the streaming services is quite nice <laughs> yeah i've got the first three i'm good there i don't plan on buying four and five we've got those on the potential list for beyond the bad because we all know we all know where to draw the line with pirates yeah for sure um and i know 
I think we could do all three on Oscar Sunday, right? The first we three. Can. three. Yeah, they were yeah. all up for visual effects and I think some production design possibly. Yeah, we can and we will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, one, one cool thing about the this being on Oscar Sunday is it, it is, you know, some quote-unquote technical awards, but you do have the very rare franchise uh, movie uh, nomination best actor for Johnny Depp, which is very special. I wish that happened more often when guys are clearly just having fun, just going for it. And I, I, I just, I can think of so many other people that deserve a spot the way he deserves a spot for his performance in the movie. Uh, I just, I, why don't we do that more often? You know, if he's up, then why isn't Viggo Mortensen up for Lord of the Rings? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. In this franchise alone, Jeffrey Rush and uh, Bill Nighy both should have been up for supporting actor. Yeah, and Bill Nighy just got his first nomination now currently uh for what's it called living right yeah um uh so that's crazy i didn't realize he had no nominations prior to that uh you know he's he's absolutely crushing it in dead man's chest to you know so i yeah I, w- I wish there was more and this year we also have another franchise acting nomination in angela bassett for black panther wakanda forever so yeah i'll take that i'll take that to the bank um totally cool with that if angela bassett can be up then why wasn't uh who, who from Marvels? Hmm. <laughs> really, I'm trying to think of who really stands <laughs> out. Uh, you know, a, a lot of them do. I'm just I'm just struggling. Uh, that's funny. I, I I'd say I, I would say for me, uh, Spider-Man, the first movie, 2002, Willem Dafoe, best supporting actor. Uh, that's something I would have would have gone for. I watched no I watched uh, No Way Home on the flight, and that's I, I was thinking that the whole time, like. Jesus, he's he's going hard for this. Like he should have gotten some love. Oh yeah, Willem Dafoe could have had two nominations for playing the same character. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah you I got, wish the Academy recognized franchises more often in that way. It, you got Heath Ledger for he got the win for Batman. That's that's a that's a win. We'll take that. Do you consider Joaquin Phoenix's win for Joker a franchise win? Because I it's, guess you know, I guess, but uh, I mean, such it's going for something totally different and just clearly an ode to certain movies and certain Scorsese works, you know, uh, it doesn't really feel like a DC movie much at all. Fair enough. Ian McKellen got that nom for Gandalf for fellowship. Yes. I love that. I wish, I wish, I think Lord of the Rings should have got like a lot of, you know, um, performance nominations. It really, yeah, you're, you're totally right there. And I can't really think of any others. It, it does not happen a lot. Oh, Alec Guinness for Star Wars. There's up there. I was about to say what Star Wars stuff happened. Uh, they're not known for like great performances, especially, in the, you know, like like uh, Mark Hamill's not really putting in a shift, on, you know, as Luke. But uh, some people are are doing really good work in those. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. I They're there. They're reading weird ass dialogue. <clears throat> Frankly, I don't really agree with the Alec Guinness nomination. He was just too good for this movie so they gave him something that's fair uh, uh <laughs> yeah i don't know I, i'm trying to think of the recent ones not really you know everybody's fine no one's like amazing you know like adam driver and those kind of guys and the, the new ones well i always have my own theory that in every in all three trilogies of star wars there's one actor who becomes a star by propelling themselves out of Star Wars. In the original trilogy, it was Harrison Ford. In the prequel trilogy, it was Natalie Portman. And in the sequel trilogy, it's Adam Driver. Mm. Like, 
Everyone oh. else is kind of left in the lurch or are forever associated with Star Wars. <laughs> I like that. You think you think Ewan McGregor was able to forge no, his own path? I don't, because he just played Obi-Wan Kenobi again yeah, and has been he, Obi-Wan Kenobi since 1999. Just like Mark Hamill has been Luke Skywalker since 1977. <laughs> yeah, I, I always associate Mark... The first thing I think of Mark Hamill is Joker, uh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I know most 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 people are going to go to Star Wars for his live action, you know, acting. But if you want to call it acting, <laughs> I don't know. Uh. <laughs> Damn, shots fired. But yeah, he's pretty bad. Yeah, but he's fucking fantastic as the Joker. Um, yes, I agree. But that's just something I noticed with Star Wars. Like we get, you know, one person gets to get out; everyone else stays. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Pirates has like casted, even at the time, you know, you, you cast Ian McShane, you cast Bill Nye, you cast Javier Bardem. These guys are respected, you know, before they take these roles on. So it's just good casting. Just, uh, I guess, I guess the writing just lost its spark. Well, I think something about, you know, the absence of Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley just didn't feel right. Jack became a little too goofy and it's, Gore Verbinski's direction also, you know, really made these he, three work. So he does the first three, the other two are, I don't even know who directed the other two. I want to say four is somebody I know. Five was an, a known guy, I think. Let me look that up. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have no, no problem with that because Gore Verbinski's the man. He clearly was doing these movies so that he could do Rango uh, in 2011. I thought so. On Stranger Tides was Rob Marshall. Uh, yeah, not a huge fan. Um that's not surprising. And Dead Men Tell No Tales was Joaquin Ronning and Espen Sandberg. Okay. Yeah, what about, that was a work so, for hire. <laughs> so Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, those are the guys that are kind of credited with like really fleshing out the characters and whatnot. I wonder if they also wrote those movies, four and five. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say no. Uh, yeah. Now, Jeff Nathanson wrote Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yep, and nope. On Stranger Tides was written by. Oh, no. T- Elliot and Rocio did write that one. Okay. Interesting. They came back for the last one. Hmm. It's like I had gone too far. They couldn't, they couldn't reel it back. <laughs> no. Well, in one, two, three are such a complete story. Everyone's arc is finished off with At World's End. Like it's all, it ends in a good final place for everyone. There is no need to go further. It just feels like a shameless cash grab, which it was. Yeah, let's call let's call it like it is, right? Let's call it spade a spade. It, it is for money. You know, we, we can have the conversation about like why they do this, why they do that. They just want to make some cash, you know, make some yeah. money for the studio and you know, so they can make other things. The same reason there's a haunted mansion movie, a Tomorrowland movie, and a jungle cruise movie. Because Pirates, the movie based off a ride, worked so well. They thought everything else would work too. I'm waiting for the Epcot movie. Yeah, Ep- Epcot, directed by Terrence Malick. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just in it, just in one place, one sphere. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh man, Gore Verbinski, man, uh, Oscar-nominated Gore Verbinski, <laughs> so cool. Rango's, you know me. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Probably my favorite movie from 2011. Uh, and I, I feel like he he did all of this work with the Pirates movie so that he could make his dream, 
his dream movie, which is Rango. And he got to bring back Johnny Depp and a bunch of amazing, amazing actors to, to be a part of the voice cast for that movie. And we covered it here a long time ago on Oscar Sunday. And that was a blast. So I, I've always had a kind of an adoration for Gore. Uh, I, I think he's been quite important to my life. Clearly. Yeah. I remember Rango was a very passionate episode. That was, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah. It's just so good. It's just the best. Uh, what else? There's something else I like that he's done. I'm trying to remember because I didn't like the Lone Ranger like, at all. Uh, I like the ring the, from 2002. I like the ring. It's all right. I forgot he did the ring. Yeah. It's been a minute <clears> since <throat> I saw that. Yeah. Other than that, you know, it's just some, uh, some stuff. He did Mouse Hunt. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. You love, love Mouse Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. The Mexican 2001. The Weatherman 2005. Of course, he has to work with Cage. Uh, that's in between the Pirates movies. And then, yeah, then Rango, Lone Ranger, A Cure for Wellness. You know, I'd love to love to see him, you know, come back to the come back to the spotlight again and do something special. Yeah, it'd be cool if him and Johnny Depp did some independent thing that, you know, was highly successful and kind of pissed Disney off. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic. You know, uh, there's there's a clear a clear uh, chemistry between those two. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not a crazy big Johnny Depp fan, and obviously, it's been controversy uh, in his life for a few years now. But uh, I do like love a lot of the movies he's been in, a lot of movies that he's worked on. You know, and uh, of course, as a kid, my favorite was was Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow, savvy. You know, I, I used to, m- m- me and my cousin used to say that all the time. We'd like anything, like we'd be like having a pillow fight at fucking eight, nine years old. And he would like hold the pillow and look at me and be like, savvy, <laughs> you know, just being fucking stupid. Uh, but, you know, I still say it now because I'm still stupid and still just dumb and full of wonder. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time, I think, like around middle school, where if, if somebody asked me, who's your favorite actor? Without question, I'd say Johnny Depp. There was a time. When you were younger? Like, how old? What'd you say? Like, 12, 13. Yeah, that, make, that totally makes sense. So, at that time, you, like, what would you have been attached to at that time? Uh, obviously, Pirates. Sweeney Todd? <laughs> yeah. That came out, that, yeah, <laughs> came out in 07. Yeah. yeah, that was a big one. I really liked Sweeney Todd, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, What else? At that, like, time. had you like had you seen like some of his like kind of stranger stuff at that time? Uh, I love Sleepy Hollow. Okay, there you then. go. Um, I had seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I didn't quite get it, but I really liked Depp in it. Uh, okay, yeah. I'd seen yeah. Elm Street at that point. There you go. Yeah, young uh, young Depp. Yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, like 2004 was that one? Yeah, that was oh five. Oh five. Okay. And really just, you know, Pirates was the kind of the, you know, the nexus of that love. And yeah, uh, yeah you know, I grew up and then I, I don't really have an easy answer to that question anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, when you look back and just, you know, the few films you did have were, you know, they were yours. You held on to those. Now it's yeah. like the numbers are in the thousands and I've still got my, you know, my core few, but I have so many different things to bring into the conversation now. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. Favorite actor. And and it's so hard to 
now break down like eras of of movies, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you're like, oh, what about you know, you know, like pre Hayes Code era or post or modern cinema? You know, there's all these different eras of of movie making and different kinds of styles, performances. You know, I I mean, I know you're like a huge Charlie Chaplin guy, but it's hard to compare him to like a Robert De Niro. You know? Yeah. Like today, is it Michael Fassbender or is it Jimmy Stewart or is it Nicolas Cage or is it Christopher Walken? Am I going character actor? Am I going leading man? What am I talking yeah. about? Yeah, I, I think like gun to my head, I think I'd probably I'd probably go with Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's probably my like, gun gun to head answer. Him, him, and, and like Willem Dafoe has always been right up there. You know, uh, I mean, I I don't know though. You know, I, I mean, like I, I I'll just be unoriginal, you know, like Daniel Day-Lewis. I just love watching him. And, uh, you know, we've, we've fallen in love with guys like Jimmy Stewart, who you named, you know, Burt Lancaster. You know, these these guys have been been important to us since we've really started doing the podcasting stuff. But, uh, but Johnny Depp is one of those guys. He's kind of like Nirvana. At some point in your life, you probably were obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. I love that. Yeah, because he's like, you know, he's equal parts character actor and movie star, you know, indie success and commercial success. He's, you know, he's jello. Everybody loves it. Or at least yeah. they did. <laughs> yeah, some people not so much anymore, but you know, uh I still I still remember his movies fondly, you know. Um that's yeah, I never that's, lost that's, faith. Yeah, that's never going away. So uh I mean he's yeah, I mean Rango like certainly is in the running for just like one of my 30 or 40 fair movies ever. So that's a big deal. When you're like the front poster child of that said movie, you're going to be someone I respect, you know, as a, yeah. as a performer. And I'm still a fan, you know, I'm not like, you know, huge, like I'm not really ride or die with his films, but I am, you know, I do consider myself a fan. I was rooting for him when he was, you know, fighting his crazy bitch of an ex-wife in court. I was I was happy when he won, and I just I hope he he gets to get back on track. I think he deserves another shot. Yeah, him and Gore Verbinski, baby, come on, <laughs> let's go. Uh, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I, I love that. We've never really I really brought that up. Just like your favorite, not like best or whatever, but you're just your favorite performers. I mean, I, you know, we both. I think one of the first things we connected on was Philip Seymour Hoffman. So uh, we named our our performance award after him. We both just have had a I don't know, just a sincere desire to get to know him as a as an actor more and more and rewatch his movies and I don't know. It's really sad that we're coming up on nine years that he's been gone. It's just fucking crazy. Yeah, it's a bummer. We lost I've you know, I've said it before, the greatest character actor of all time. He yeah. uh, it was yeah. just a, the slightest shift and you believed it. He didn't, his weight didn't fluctuate, his voice yeah. didn't fluctuate. <laughs> You just bought it every time because of the sheer fucking commitment that he brought yeah. every single time. Um, I remember um, when we first, like when I first approached you about the podcast, we did a little experiment where yeah, dude. wrote down like the best, yes. who, who we thought were like considered the greatest actors of all time. We'd do like random selections and we'd talk about the films that they'd done that we'd seen. <laughs> we had seen so little at that yeah. point. We conjured up what we could i remember we landed on burt lancaster and we had nothing to talk about because we hadn't seen any of his shit and we're both like oh he sounds cool i'd love to check that out and here we are fucking you know we've done the homework now it'd be funny to do that again and see like the conversation we can build now 
<laughs> yeah, I like that. I remember doing that. That was cool, man. You know, that was uh, some of the beginning stages of, yeah, us just figuring each other out and like how we talk and what our kind of personalities are uh, while while recording. I, I remember that. I think we just called it, I don't know what we called it or. It was just I, like I have actors. it just as, just actor. Yeah, actors is what I've got it on the audio. I, I still have those, off, those files. I, I remember, I remember, I don't know. Like, I remember it being called like just talking, like no G talking actors. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah, dude. We, we should do that again just for fun, like one day. Um, like, like for this upcoming um, Best Picture Showdown, I have like a really cool thing planned because it's going to be on an actual Oscar Sunday. And I can't wait. So we're like not doing an individual movie. But I can't wait. I love when we do stuff like that. That's just completely, you know, just kind of bullshitting off the dome, just talking about 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 stuff. And I'm super stoked for that because we haven't done it in a while uh, where we're just kind of just going just riffing, you know, on on stuff and talking actors would be cool to to bring back one day. (laughs) (laughs) We'd have so many new people to add to the to the list from people we've just discovered, you know, through you know, looking at foreign film and looking back, you know, an older film. Like we definitely got a much deeper appreciation of the craft. And I, I'm glad we have that. Yeah, we, we definitely have to find like a more official way of randomizing it to surprise ourselves, yeah. uh, you know, because uh, I think when we were doing that, we were just like, we just had like a list of like 50 people. And we just like kind of like, oh, uh, there, let's stop there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so cool now we need now we need like a spin the wheel type thing where both at, at like live while we're recording we can be like okay this is who we're talking about right now you know uh you know yeah i mean <laughs> i remember now it's flooding back to me i remember we brought up al pacino and like both of us had like gaping holes of al pacino movies you know like i'd be like uh you know have you seen this one and you're like no and you're like have you seen this one and i'm like no like we just were on opposite <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum you're like i was like serpico's sick and you're like oh, i haven't seen that one and you're you know bringing up other ones you know donnie Brasco, and i'm like oh i haven't seen that one. <laughs> you know it just that's how it went yeah and then i think we were both inspired to be like well i want to see what that what what he's talking about and we went and did the homework and you know here we are yeah that's that's kind of the whole the whole deal right is is doing that homework and you you get to a better place of of a conversation Uh, it is my ultimate goal with all of this to never have to say the phrase no i haven't seen that when somebody (laughs) asks me if i've seen a movie i never (laughs) want to say that again (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know (laughs) there's some that i i can live without but but i don't know as far as like the stuff that you and i are interested in uh, i mean we're we're on the same page a lot and it's usually it's usually beneficial to to have seen whatever you know like especially stuff we talk about on this show like like for instance later on we're going to be bringing up uh master and commander from 2003 and it's like yeah i mean like i had seen it when i was younger and i was like dude connor like you you've got to see this movie and you were like waiting for the opportune time and the time came and you watched it and you text me like yeah dude this is sick like i knew i just kind of knew like sometimes you just know you're going to be on the same page and like i can't wait to talk about that movie later uh, because I, I do think it's one of the best movies from 20, uh, 2003 and uh, like that kind of stuff happens a lot, you know, where it is beneficial to do the little extra research and watching for this show. Yeah. Content, as Johnny Knoxville would say. It's content. Yeah. Yeah. It's content. Speaking of speaking of content, let's let's give some awards out to person of the Black Pearl, dude. This is going to be cool. I, I say this all the time. 
not not every episode but i'd say about 70 percent of them i'm like damn this is hard you know with the awards but curse of the black pearl because i'd seen it so many times and seen it from such a young age you know a lot of the movies we do i i saw as as as, a, as a, an adult or i'd seen for the first time before the show with black pearl i'm taking into account 20 years of my life you know i'm taking into account a, a, a huge huge chunk of my life and I'm having to come to terms with like what are my favorite aspects of the movie. Never thought about it that way. I've always just enjoyed it and had fun with it and just been along for the ride. But picking a favorite quote and music moment and performance, Jesus, and and a favorite scene, like I was like, this is, this might change in two hours, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of how it went for me. As the movie went along, I just took notes and I was like, yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. And I was like, damn, I'm, I've written down forty different things. How am I going to narrow it down? I, I just had to make a decision, you know? So uh, my awards are not really lock, stock, and barrel, man. You know, they're more how I was feeling in the moment. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. This was constantly... The only thing that didn't change for me was performance. I've always known who that was going to be. But okay. everything else was kind of just fluctuating. And I took stuff out. I put stuff in. I wrote question marks. And I'm like, yeah, okay. This is, I'm, this is what I got for now. We do this a year from now. It's a different list. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in that exact same boat. So, we do have the Tarantino for best quote. We have the Ennio Morricone for best music moment. The Philip Summer Hoffman Award for best performance, and the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene. So, take it away with your Tarantino. Ah, this is such a good, such a good script. Such a cool script. So many great character moments in the dialogue. And uh, I went with a bit that is a. Uh, during the final fight, the sword fight between Jack and Barbosa. Mm. And uh, Barbosa like leans in and he says, You're off the edge of the map, mate. Here there be monsters. And then they the fight continues, and I'm like, fuck, that's a cool thing to hear from a pirate. <laughs> yeah. Sick. <laughs> uh, I love the whole because that, you know, here there be monsters is what they used to write in the uncharted waters of nautical maps. They used to draw big sea serpents and be like, you know. Here there be monsters. Don't don't venture into these waters. So bringing that in to this movie is just a like a little cool piece of nautical history that like you know history buffs like me can be like ah <laughs> yeah ah I get it <laughs> yeah when, when you're a kid it just sounds like some badass shit you know before you kill somebody <laughs> but but uh but but when you're an adult you're like oh wow there's there's like some real research and nuance to that quote so that's a that's a great pick and Jeffrey Rush just delivers so many gold lines in these movies you know the the uh <laughs> you better start believing in ghost stories you're in one you know it's, it's like iconic i've said that so many times me and my brother say it a lot um that's that's another thing is like my my tarantino goes to a quote that me and my brother say to each other all the time we have we've thought it was so funny from the moment we saw this movie and we still say it now we thought it was something different when we were kids. Like we thought the the wording was different. It's a it's a quote from Kevin Kevin McNally, the guy who plays Mister Gibbs. Uh, the first time we see him, he's in Tortuga and uh, he's he's like passed out, and they ha- uh, uh, Sparrow and Turner have to wake him up. <laughs> and when they throw him, when Sparrow throws the water on him, he screams, "Curse you for breathing, you slack jawed idiot!" <laughs> <laughs> When I was a kid, when I was a kid, me and my brothers thought he was saying, "Curse you for breathing, you slap John idiot." 
I don't know why, but we 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 slapped John. I don't I don't know. I don't know what that was. I don't. <laughs> when you're a kid, you just like hear things and you're like, sure. But it's slack jawed, slack jawed idiot. So as I got older, I was like, oh, it's even funnier, you know, because uh, uh, it makes more sense. <laughs> slap John, idiot is, uh, you know, you know, this, this these things happen when you're when you're a child. Uh, but that's like part of why I chose it for my Tarantino is like I've had like a real life with that quote. While it's not anything anybody else really is like like remembers from the movie necessarily, unless you're a big fan, it's not one of like the tentpole quotes, you know. Like like Sparrow has so many one liners that are like, oh, people love those. But I've always been attached to that. The first time we see Gibbs, uh, and that's when the movie really starts to take a take a take a nice turn. One thing I love about these movies, because it's PG thirteen, because it's Disney, they have to get so creative with the insults. Like, so you get random lines like that, like you curse you for breathing, you slack jawed idiot. That's such a great thing to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, like at one point Gibbs says like, oh, slap me thrice and hand me to me mama. Like just the crazy shit this dude says. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. He says like, holy mother and father, you know, <laughs> Jack, what's after us? You know, like he, he says these different things that like, yeah, really any normal pirate would just be like, what the fuck is going on? You know, <laughs> like that's, yeah. you know, but they can't. They can't do that. So I agree with you. I think it challenges the writers and causes them to kind of do their do their research and find different quotes that kind of make sense for the time period. In this case, like the 1700s. So it's cool. Yeah. One of my favorite lines is from Jack. It's when he we first meet Jack and he's like conning his way in onto the, the military dock. And those two uh, slack-jawed right. idiots <laughs> stop him. Yeah. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, this, hey. This this doc is off limits to civilians, and Jack's like, "Beg your pardon, I didn't know. If I see any, I shall inform you immediately." And then keeps walking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah, I love I love those two guys when he's like, oh, <laughs> "What are you doing in Port Royal, Mister Smith?" <laughs> you know, oh, it's so good. I, I I love his intro, Jack Sparrow, when he's like, "How about three shillings?" And we forget the name. You know, it's such a good with the harbor master. That's like such a good little line to kind of in, get introduced to his character and then he steals the money right after, you know, and you're like, okay, this is the kind of guy he is. Well, we meet him as the, as his ship is sinking onto the dock. I love that. He just walks right onto the dock and the ship sinks immediately. It's yeah. perfect. It tells you everything you need to know about this guy right there. He's a pirate, but he, he sucks at it. Yeah. Yeah. You're about the worst pirate I've ever heard of, but you have yeah. heard of me. <laughs> yeah. That's that that whole bit is so good, you know, when he first goes to Port Royal and then it's like immediately like, oh, I gotta find a ship and this will be the day. You always remember you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, it's just brilliant. I love the there's an exchange he has with Norrington when he's getting arrested after he saves Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's trying to like talk him out of it, talk him out of arresting Jack, and Norrington says something like, One good deed does not excuse a man for a lifetime of misdeeds and jack yeah. goes no it does seem enough to condemn him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so good that's clever uh, but you have heard of me yeah it's just brilliant <laughs> I, I i love um i love when he's like fighting with will turner and he pulls the gun you cheated <laughs> pirate <laughs> it's just like oh it's just good clean fun oh yeah this movie's got a lot of great lines um the 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 quote he uses when he reveals that he's turning on Barbosa when it's like a double twist is so, so good. Uh, 
And he's like, I'm dishonest and a dishonest man. You can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly, it's the honest ones you want to watch out for because you can never predict what they're going to when they're going to do something incredibly stupid. It's so awesome. I was just about to bring that up. That was my that was what I had written down till they hear the be monsters line because it's just such a great character insight into Jack. Like you can always trust him to cheat you on something. Yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant stuff, you know. And and why anybody ever really really trusts him is is their fault. Yeah, he's he's ten steps ahead of literally everybody, including you know gods and monsters alike. It's awesome throughout this whole franchise. He always has the upper hand, even when you think he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and he's like his awareness of just the seven seas is just is just incredible. Um, well, yeah, he's he's the man. Somebody pointed out that uh, Jack only ever walks normally on a boat. Whenever he's on land, he's always like squiggly and walking kind of drunk because he has only sea legs. Like he can't exist on land because he's he belongs on the sea. Yeah, I love he's that. Not comfortable. I love that bit. <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I, yeah, I love that the the like classic Johnny Depp walk. Like he doesn't fear and loathing a lot as Hunter S. Thompson. Or, you know, basically Hunter S. Thompson. He's like walking around like he's a creature of some sort. Like I, that's Johnny. That's one of his signatures. You know, it's like he he does that kind of weird those weird movements, you know, that's part of his physicality. Well, and that was all his idea. Like Disney nearly fired him for going off script with the character, but Gore Verbinski was like, let's see where this goes. And it ended up being one of the most iconic movie characters of all time. It was all Depp's idea. Like he based that walk off. He based all of it off of Keith Richards for the most part. And then he gets to play his dad in part three. It's like, come on. Yeah. Keith Richards popping up in part three is so cool. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, he has like, like the whole, get up the outfit the, like the, the red bandana the hat he's yeah like the layers of clothing I mean, he does look like a rolling stones member from the you know 1970s it's just it's just badass it's like man, it's, it's awesome and i i definitely dressed as him i don't know if it was for halloween or if it was just for fun but at one point like i had a J- jack sparrow costume and i you know i thought it was so cool <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i should should never do that again though <laughs> so it was a grown man um i can't wait to show these to my daughter when she gets a, just a little bit older you know she's not gonna know what the fuck's going on right now but once she's like seven eight nine i'm definitely gonna you know be like hey are you interested in watching this these pirates you know a pirate movie and see if she likes it uh like i can't wait for the moments like that with movies like this yeah for sure man it's i bet it's gonna be a rewarding experience Yes, can't wait, man. What's your what's your Ennio Morricone, your best music moment? This was tough. This is such a great score. <laughs> Christ. Oh, yeah, a lot of people like don't realize it's not even Hans Zimmer in the first one. It's Klaus Bedell. But and dare I say, Klaus, totally doing his thing. <laughs> you know, he's. I mean, I love Hans. You know, he's one of the one of the goats. But this first movie it sets the bar for the rest of rest of the movies in the score. I love it. I do love Dead Man's Chest score the most because of the Davy Jones theme and the Kraken theme. Kraken, Kraken. Yeah, mm. I, yeah. I listen, I listen to that all the time. <laughs> Dead Man's Chest, might it, it's it's in Hans Zimmer's top five. Like it is a fucking epic score. But uh, this one's good too. <laughs> I love this one. I love this one. It's awesome. Uh, I couldn't find the. I, well, let's be honest. I didn't look. At the names of this music, I just went with a scene. 
uh, I wrote down here, gents take a walk. And it's when the pirates go down into the ocean, you know, the ghost pirates walking on the ocean floor to the, the dauntless to go fuck shit up. The music that's playing in there is kind of like the ghost pirate theme. And I love that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I'll be talking about that bit later. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that part. Uh, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I was, I was listening to it today. Like before I went to work earlier today, like when I was showering, I was listening to the score and I got kind of lost. And then on the way to work, I was listening to it on the way home from work. I was listening to it. And then when I t- got home, I took another shower cause it was a little rowdy today. Cause the Super Bowls, you know, mm-hmm. um, Super Bowls. Yeah. Today, if you're listening, uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We don't care too much here on Oscar Sunday, you know, uh, birds. Yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be watching when I when, when I can. I you know I do like football. I'm not, not crazy about it, but I do like it. I kind of also want the Eagles to win just because of you know my it's always sunny, um, you know fandom. But also I know your family's from Philly, so that'd be cool. Oh my god, we've got the entire Philly clan at the house this weekend for the game, and they've got fucking Eagles shit all over the house. Like it's a big deal. Yeah, I can imagine. So, so as as I was taking my second shower of the day when I got home from work, I finished off the score. So, I like I listened to the whole thing in four different segments of my of my day, which was great. And I kept going back to kind of my favorite kind of subtle piece of scores called Fogbound. And that the first time it, play, it plays a couple times throughout the movie. But the first time it plays is when Jack and Will finally team up earlier on in the movie and they get under the, the little boat, they get under it and go underwater and it's the dun, 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 kind of, but it's like light and just strings. And yeah, you're like, it's the oh, little it's, like yeah. Jack Sparrow kind of becomes yeah. Jack Sparrow's theme over the course of the franchise. Yeah. Whenever he's, whenever he's up to no good, you know, yeah, it's just, ah, man, it's so good. It's so much fun. Uh, and this song changes like at different times in the score. If you listen to it, like on Spotify or Apple or whatever, like that particular little tune plays on different parts of the score that are named something different because something different is happening. So at one point like that, but then it breaks into like something dark and then other times it breaks into something even lighter, like, you know, it's so cool. Like I I love that. I love that about the score that it kind of overlaps itself because it's, it's leaning on those themes but it always kind of diverts into something different. Uh, and I, like, I think that's really powerful that you can, you always know when you're, when you hear that, you're kind of coming back to, all right, we're with Jack. We're going to see what he's getting up to. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good shout. Uh, I, I love that. I love how bouncy that kind of gets throughout the franchise. I nearly went with a bit that was like pure horror. And it's when Elizabeth realizes, you know, Oh shit. They're all ghosts, and they like kind of bounce dun, around. Dun, 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 dun. That, yeah, that's <laughs> fucking creepy. Yeah. Oh, it's so sick. Yeah, yeah, I love that bit. You're like seeing all of them. Like you can tell which one's which. You know, um, of the pirates. You know, they're on the ship. And, like they're scrubbing the deck. You know, uh, that's that's a powerful, powerful piece of score. Boom, boom, boom. That's kind of like Hans Zimmer was like, okay, hold my beer. You know, I'll I'll do that, but I'll do it better. <laughs> We, I actually remember that scene actually being a little bit more effective in On Stranger Tides. That's the music that plays when we meet Blackbeard. Mm, and I was nice. like, I remember okay. that bit. I remember that bit of music. It's called Mutiny in that one. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's like 
I love the the music cues have just like they've been consistent throughout the franchise and just been kind of built upon to make this, you know, just constantly evolving awesome franchise score. Even in the shit movies, the score is still great. Yeah, you know what you know what else is like so cool about because there's so many amazing sounds happening. Like whenever he goes to uh the blacksmith, like where Will Turner works, and like the the dun, 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 is playing, but it's also you can also hear like the donkey moving and you can hear like the different like gears like because it's all wood and so you can like hear it moving. It's like man, and then it reminded me of when you and I um when we went to the Academy Museum. And we saw the whole sound thing. Well, I just went to LA again and went to the same museum and they had the same thing playing for the sound room, the Indiana Jones showing all the different ways you make sound. And I watched, you know, I sat there again through the whole thing. Cause I was like, this is just so cool. And I wanted to show Brianna. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is one of the cool things that like I kind of knew about, you know, before, but I really like when you really get to see it, you get to see just kind of the, the simplicity, also complexity of like what goes into what we hear is just so fucking cool and so rewarding as, as a viewer. And I feel like in pirates, it happens a ton in these movies. What, like one thing that I almost chose was the, the classic theme, the like, you know, like when it's real loud and big and when Jack first walks onto the, onto the um, dock, like we were talking about when he walks off his boat, it, it goes from, like hit the the boot when it first hits like the the wood the music kind of stops and like slows down and like hits like the brake pedal and you're like damn that was cool you know like it's <laughs> like his his boot was like all right we're like we're, we're on land now here we go you know it's about to get we're about to find out what he's all about and I'm like man that's I don't know as like easy as that may seem I just feel like it's a lot harder to pull off because more movies would pull it off if they could yeah especially on these you know hundred million dollar productions. You had you definitely have more access to those noises to make like the best noises. Like uh, Caleb and I were talking. Apparently, the new Indiana Jones movie has upwards of like a two hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Good, good. Yeah, so, like, I hope it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, me too. I hope, I, hope, I hope everything's hitting on all cylinders because that's what the money's for, right? Is when you when you make it, you know, you use all that money. It better better be better be damn good. Better work. Yeah. And the Pirates films definitely have a unique sound. I love a unique sound. You know, speaking of Indiana Jones, again, like that film has a very distinct Foley sound to it. Like, especially like the punches and all that, the gun, the gun noises. You can hear that and immediately think, oh, that's Indiana Jones. Yeah. And Pirates, I think, has that to an extent, uh, especially for people like us who've seen it a fuck ton of times. You know, the cannon noises and just the way the ship moves. You can you can feel that. Yeah, the, the creaking, the creakiness of when like someone's walking on the deck and it's quiet and you can hear the like the ocean. It's so cool and it's like it gets better and better. Uh, like in Dead Man's Chest, because of the Kraken, I mean, you, you just you're, you're bringing a whole different thing into this, you know. The sound of the Kraken's suction cups, like, yeah, rubbing against the cannon freaked me out this time. I was like, I got yeah, chilled. Dude. Yeah, when, the, when when you see those first the the first time with the like, two Turkish guys when they're like, oh, blah, blah, they're, you know, <laughs> there, there's no subtitles or anything. They're just yeah, and the Kraken just sucks it down. The noise that that just like like a fucking whole body is just just crumbling, just breaking, like every bone just 
hops like breaks it and sucks it into the depths of the ocean is so cool i love all the random popping noises that davy jones face makes like yeah. he's constantly yeah. like taking in water and just kind of like like I'll yeah well that occasionally i was <laughs> uh, yeah oh, god these movies are so fun <laughs> this is great uh yeah i'm trying to think of more stuff like i, I don't know i mean I would love to watch a video about the sound of these movies. You know, uh, I'm definitely going to try to look up stuff when we're done here. I, I should have done it before, but uh, I'm going to watch some YouTube videos about the sound of pirates. One that I really love is when Elizabeth falls into the ocean and the gold coin that like does that pulse. Oh, the ocean. It's just like a soft, like, like a subwoofer. And yeah. like, that's, that's such a neat noise. And then that same noise is when Jones calls the Kraken in part two. You know, slams into the ocean that like that button thing, and it's just like boom. There's a vibration across the whole fucking ocean. I love that noise. <laughs> yeah, it's just like we're gonna. Yeah, it's time to wreck wreck shit. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so cool. Oh man, I couldn't be a pirate. I couldn't hang. <laughs> just the smell. I I couldn't do it. The, the everything looks the, like it smells so fucking horrible in these. Yeah, movies. the no showering. Like, yeah, I could, you know, the, the, the lack of like knowing what you're going to eat, like when bootstrap bill just eats that snail. I'm like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> well, I love when, <laughs> when Jack just takes the crusty barnacle bottle out of bill, Bill's hand and then takes a swig. I wouldn't drink that shit. Oh, hell no. Who knows how long that's been in that guy's hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boot, bootstrap's one of my favorite, favorite, you know, kind of heat check performances in the second one. Um, uh, I, I do I, I remember it being later in the movie when we see Bootstrap, but they really just they're like bang, Bootstrap is in the is, yeah, he's here. You know, that's Will's dad. You're like, oh, I, oh, there's that that's the reveal. Well, I wonder how much of that, like how much of two and three was planned when they made one like part one. Was it like did they have a, yeah. a concept or like because yeah, it ties together so perfectly, but there's no plot holes in these first three. Yeah, no, I read I, I read about that. That they basically wrote all of the movies and then they filmed the first one and they're like all right that worked and then two and three were filmed literally back to back like they did it all in one swing that's why they were able to release them like a year apart uh kind of, kind of like they did with lord of the rings you know they just filmed them all just kind of just knocked them out a lot of the harry potter movies were just like bang bang just knock them out you know um i i love that that would be so cool to be a part of you're like look at this huge epic thing we're doing and we get to just just get it done right here i was assuming the first one was like you know a fluke like they made it and then they were like oh hey that worked all right let's let's build another one but the fact they had scripts laid out they're like we got a franchise plan if this works i love that that makes yeah yeah it's like they did the actual world building and then tried it and they're like oh okay now we can use the material because yeah i mean if anything if it wouldn't have worked if the first movie like you know was a bomb you still have a pretty sick story that you can sell to somebody you know uh and like that would be that would be worth it enough, and just to write that must have been a blast. I mean, that's you know, three guys are credited for the for you know writing writing the story and the screenplay for the first three movies, and I mean that must have been a fun little group to be a part of. Yeah, I think that the only thing that made it for, out of the ride was the yo ho yo ho a pirate's life for me song. Yeah, is hilarious. Uh, and I am very I'm trying very hard not to say too much about my favorite moments of dead man's chest because i know we are going to do it on this show one day so i don't want to spoil too much but it is hard to not yeah talk. Yeah, yeah it's hard to not just go there because they have they are they they're, they fit so well together i 
I don't know. I mean, I'm down to do it whenever, you know. Uh, it would be cool to wait till 2026 to do that for a 20-year anniversary, 2027 for the third one, like giving them all kind of, you know, a 20-year anniversary. But I, I'd be down to do it next month. <laughs> you know you, you, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I mean, those, these movies are great. Um, let's see. We just did our Enos. PSH, you said you kind of have known this the whole time. Who, who is it? Yeah, this has been a no-brainer for me ever since I first saw this movie. This goes 100% to Jeffrey Rush. Whoa, me too. Okay. Barbosa. Uh, Holy I, shit. I, One of my favorite like villain-turned-heroes in ever like in film. I mean, his arc in these first three movies is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to be... I thought you were hinting at depth the whole time. I was like, oh, damn, we're, we're going to go depth and rush. But no, yeah, it's, it's rush by landslide for me. Um, I absolutely love, 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 love Barbosa. I mean, fantastic character, fantastic delivery from Jeffrey Rush. Uh, it was the first time I had ever heard of the guy. I didn't know that he was like a proper actor, you know? Um, and I love when proper actors do stuff like this. They can put themselves down on the ground and play a character that a lot of people are going to see and get exposure without phoning it in. He doesn't phone it in ever. He's always locked in in this character. And I just, God, I've always respected it so much. It's the perfect casting for Barbosa. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush wins an Oscar in 96 and then just starts playing, you know, outlandish, one of a kind characters. To me, like my introduction to him was Mystery Men. He will always be Casanova Frankenstein first. Dude. Yeah. What a movie. But Barbosa, well, I love that our first little hint at Barbosa is the two idiots running the dock who were like you know so you've seen a ship with black sails that's captained by the damned or crewed by the damned and captained by a man so evil that hell itself spat him back out and you're like who's this guy <laughs> and then we meet him and he's this you know fairly reasonable if not frightening you know captain who you know kind of i love the way he he uh verbally spars with elizabeth over the code yeah and like, you know, there's a lot of big words in there. We're not but humble pirates. And then proceeds to school her verbally. I, I love that. Just, you know, yeah, not, not revealing of, his whole hand, but letting her know that he's smarter than he looks. Yeah, it's more of guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I love I love that he um he doesn't just maroon uh sparrow, but also her because she never they never clarify in the deal. And so he's like, ah, oh, I found a loophole around the, you know, so off to the island you go. Uh, like a pirate so lawyer. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah, he's fantastic. I, yeah, I love that guy. He's he's why I went and saw the King's Speech back in 2010 in theaters. I was like, it's, it's Captain Barbosa. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I just, I love his instant beef with Sparrow. Like the second they see each other, it's, pure hatred and that kind of stays there throughout the whole franchise i love it this it kind of it turns into more of a friend like an unfriendly rivalry but you know he's the man who you know mutinied and took his ship and marooned him on an island and he's keeping that one shot that he gave him to, for suicide he made i love it he's like i'm gonna kill barbosa with that shot and he keeps that throughout the whole movie i fucking love that uh yeah that's that's one of the best kind of uh, little plot lines of the entire stories is is that and and tell me why 
that was never the angle to to make a movie about them two and their in their earlier days like what like what because i think they say it's 10 years prior is when all of that stuff went down like they took the uh, the black pearl was was uh sparrows and then there was the mutiny and they like over overthrew him and threw you know cast him onto the island and his journey back to all of that was 10 years uh, or can we can we see that <laughs> can- can I, can I watch like a little bit younger Jeffrey Rush and a little bit younger, you know, or, or sorry, a little bit younger Barbosa, a little bit younger Sparrow, like going toe to toe on the Black Pearl, like to see who's going to be captain. Like, I, I'd love to check that out. Oh, I'd love that story. I'd love the, you know, the story of how Jack got the Pearl from Davy Jones and then became, you know, captain and found Barbosa and Gibbs and Bootstrap. Like, I want that story. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man, me too. It'd be cool to have a movie where you could see Bootstrap trying to stand up for him, but like it doesn't work. Like, ah, that'd be so sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, I lo- my favorite thing about Barbosa in this movie is the wave of desperation that's over him. Like, all he wants is to be able to feel again. Like, it's not even about, like, I'm going to rule the ocean. It's just like, give me a life again. <laughs> that's all he wants. No, yeah. It's a very real, you know, like the, to like, Oh, we've had a taste of immortality for a while, and it's actually not it's not cool. Like I I like I want to be human again. I want to die. I want to be I want the shackles to be off of me of this this life, you know, of this part of life. Uh it's I don't know, that's like really cool angle to take with the first movies. It's like you said, it's not I'm I'm gonna be the ruler of everything. It's more so just like let, I want to go back to where I was before. Well, I love when he's watching Elizabeth eat and he's just trying to be like, oh, I remember that. I remember what that felt like <laughs> just watching her, you know, eat. And I also love the relationship between the two of them, how she kind of becomes like she learns how to be a pirate from Barbosa over yeah. the course of these movies. Like it's, it's a masterclass in how to fuck people over. And she starts using those underhanded techniques and manipulating the code in two and three. And it's just, ah, my favorite moment of the franchise, hands down, is the end of Dead Man's Chest when Barbosa walks down those stairs and you're like, oh shit, he's alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Part After- three's gonna rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh my god, how long do we have to wait? Only a year. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sick. Uh yeah, man. Kira Knightley, she was 18 when this movie came out, Black Pearl. It's crazy. She was born in 85. Like, holy, holy hell. Yeah, holding, she's holding her own against everybody in this movie. She's she really she makes a character her own. I I respect that. Yeah, me too, man. She's she's great. There's really no weak link to me. Um, like everybody, even like you know, subtle characters, side characters. Everyone, everyone's awesome. Cumber Norrington, as much of a douchebag he is, is is great. Jack Davenport does not get enough credit for Norrington. His his arc in these three movies is great. Just, you know, yeah. riches to rags to riches for the wrong reasons. I, I love it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. I love that first time we see him again, post, you know, everything that's happened in the first movie, and you're like, oh, my God, that's, that's fucking Norrington. Gumbledore? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so good. I lo- um, yeah, these movies are great. So we both have Jeffrey Rush. That's incredible. I love that. As Barbosa for the PSH. What's your Deacons? Oh, I already brought it up. It's when Elizabeth realizes, oh, these pirates actually are cursed. And she gets mm. bounced around the 
the pearl and we learn the full extent of what these guys are. And then, you know, Jeffrey Rush walking into the moonlight and, you know, you best start believing in ghost stories. It's like, ah, it's and so fun. fucking chews off the cork and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I love his like, ah, like creepy ass laugh he does. <laughs> Get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but so, so fucking good, man. Oh, yeah. I, I can't. I can't take it, take anything away from that that bit. I, I have something similar. Uh, just later in the movie, it's when they go underwater and they're about to attack the the Dauntless. Um, I mean, it's just stuck with me for so long. Just so creepy and scary when I was a kid. I was like, I don't know if I want to be watching this, you know. And just the 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 footsteps on the bottom of the ocean, these skeletons, like boom, and it still looks pretty good now. Like, don't look, don't look like amazing the time it did but it still holds up and looks good 20 years later the same way that like jurassic park looks good now 30 years later looks good looks solid and uh i just i'm obsessed with that scene when they start going up the the rope to get on the to get on the boat um and then you're going from that like you're panning from that to a sword fight between barbosa and sparrow like so sick it's such a fucking cool back and forth so that that whole 10 minute stretch is, is is my favorite bit of the movie i remember on one of my vhs tapes it had to have been around 2002 i think it might have been the emperor's new groove or oh. something but that scene alone early parts of it of them walking under the ocean was the teaser for pirates of the caribbean that was it. It was like ghost feet walking on the sand yeah. beneath the waves, and it was like Pirates of the Caribbean coming soon. And I remember thinking, like, oh, that looks creepy. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so fucking sick, dude. Uh, just, I was just uh, obsessed with that that stretch of the movie. I mean, I love, I love the first time they when they go to Port Royal and you realize who they are, and you're like, oh, geez. I love when Elizabeth Swan notices. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I love I love the bit when Elizabeth and Jack are on the island together and they're dancing like it's just like a fun little you know I love this song <laughs> it's I don't know there's just so many there's not really a dull moment for me it's like a two and a half hour movie and I just I'm having fun the whole time she burns all the rum and he gets super pissed and he's like walking yeah. away he's like, must have been hard for you Jack well it bloody is now <laughs> <laughs> so pissed yeah he just yeah that. yeah. At, at heart, he's an alcoholic, you know, uh, like that's what he really wants to be doing is just drinking all the time. But he also has this kind of just thirst for adrenaline and this awareness of like all the mistakes and consequences that he has to face. So, God, what a great character. What a great movie. <laughs> yeah. A scene I almost wrote down. I love the sword fight between Jack and Barbosa at the end. But when Barbosa kills Jack. And then Jack wanders back to the moonlight and it's like, oh shit, he stole one of those coins. And now he's a skeleton and he's doing that like cool coin thing with his knuckles. Yeah. Couldn't resist, mate. <laughs> and he, and he's like, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love uh, it. It's like, what is, are we going to do this forever? You know, two immortals locked in eternal combat. And Jack's like, or you could surrender. Yeah. Just, yeah. I love, I love that. that. Corny shit. Ah, so good. Yeah, man. God. This, this movie rules <laughs> it's it's a nine out of ten for me it's it's uh not quite like a you know all-time favorite of mine but it's it's definitely something i i think of a lot and remember very fondly i'm with you yeah it's a nine it's fun and it's exciting all three of the the first three are nines all of them for me 
Okay. I, I love these to death. <laughs> yeah, it's a nine, nine, and eight. The third one like drops a bit for me just because like, oh man, you know, these, the first two are just how, how can you live up to them? But I do enjoy the third one a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, I just, yeah, I think it lacks. I don't know. There's something that I feel like it lacks. I'll, I'll probably find that out now when I watch it because yeah. uh, I haven't seen it in a few years. So um, now that I'm watching these more with a more kind of strict like eye, mm-hmm. as far as like as far as my own perspective and just kind of what what I'm trying to figure out about re- when I rewatch movies that it is for enjoyment, but I'm also trying to figure out exactly like, put my finger on that thing, you know, yeah. uh, like have, have it on the pulse. So I'm excited to watch the third one probably tomorrow night. I'll probably do that. You could admittedly shave a good 20, 30 minutes off of the third movie. There's so many, you know, double, triple, quadruple crosses where it's like, oh, this guy's really in bed with this guy and that guy's working for himself and that guy's with that guy. It's like they, they could have cut that down a bit. I'll give them, I'll give it that. And they do introduce quite a lot of, you know, the private court and Calypso and all that. And they've got a lot to wrap up. I think they did it pretty well, but I totally get why people are like, this is too much. It's long. Yeah. I remember it being just long. Like, like this, the first movie is like two hours and like 15 to 20 minutes. There's a lot of, the credits are like 12 minutes long because you got a lot of people working on it. And the, the second one's a little longer and the third one's a little longer. So it's like, you keep kind of making that step, but yeah, damn good movie, man. And uh, we got some categories to go through here before we, before we go. Um, this has been, been a blast. First one we'll start with is best visual effects, which is just a absolutely stacked category these three movies deserve this kind of recognition. It's very rare that it feels like a perfect category. Um, you have three movies and all three of them are, I mean, are ab- like for me, absolute must sees lights out kind of stuff, especially from the visual effect front. So the winner was return of the King because the return of King was up for 11 Oscars and won all 11 of them fucking made history fucking thrashed the competition rightfully. So, uh, it beat Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, and Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. So this, this is a great category. I'm I'm sticking with Return of the King. I think it I think it deserves the win. I think Pirates of the Caribbean looks great. Master Commander looks great. Well, Lord of the Rings is doing so much, and it had to. It, it no, it's not the first movie. It's the third movie. It had to deliver on all those fronts, and it did, man. You know, it really delivered and still lives up. Twenty years, twenty years on, movie looks awesome. Well, first off, I love that we have a category with the three films with the longest titles of the year. We're all up against each other. All all have semicolons. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it's two pirate movies versus Middle Earth. Love that, too. (laughs) Uh, Fucking fantastic. Once again, I was able to watch all the competition. So every film Pirates was up against, I have seen. There you go. Which is always a delight. But yeah, Return of the King is losing to nobody. (laughs) <laughs> that movie is perfection. It is, it delivers on, you know, a trilogy. It delivers on a novel adaptation. It's a fun fucking movie and it looks incredible. So yeah, good luck tackling that. Yeah. no, <laughs> Tackling that beast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not happening. You know, as we saw, it destroyed the competition. Like no movie, do, movies don't do that anymore. No. When a film, when a film is up for, double digit nominations it usually wins like three maybe four with all the rings that just swept the competition just destroyed and probably could have won more <laughs> you know like it, it like left stuff on the table as far as stuff that it wasn't nominated for so not crazy that is most likely the last time that will ever happen yeah i i 
totally agree. I don't see how it could. I just, I just, I just don't. Um, best sound editing. We've got three movies again in this category. We're, we're both very familiar with these. You got Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World with the win, beating Finding Nemo and Parts of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. What do you got? <laughs> oh, that's that's hard. A lot of ocean in this category. Yeah. Yeah, lot lots of ocean. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got like the the Caribbean, you got fucking Australia, uh, you got uh they're like around South America a lot and Master Commander, you know, you got you got all, all parts of the ocean here. Yeah, this is tough. Um Master and Commander and Pirates are kind of dealing with this, you know, very similar sound design. Uh I think I'd give it to Finding Nemo. Interesting. Okay. State your case. I like that. Well, see, with animation, you know, you're you're building from a foundation of nothing. So I think that the sound design of animated movies is a lot more potent and a lot more expressive. Mm. And Finding Nemo especially. I mean, you've got, you know, the jellyfish scene. You've got the sound of the boat. You've got the, the you know, the, was the fish tank. You got yeah. like so many specific sound moments in Finding Nemo that I think stand out. And uh, yeah, there's there's my case. Yeah, I'm sold, man. I like that. That's a good. That's a good way 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 of putting it. Which which now with this next category, best sound mixing, Finding Nemo is not even there. So mm. you know, I just I, I just wonder exactly what the you know protocol is there. Uh, Why does that get five and sound editing gets three? Like what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, and sound mixing. You got Lord of the Rings Return of the King with the win. The Last Samurai, Master and Commander, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Sea Biscuit. So Master and Commander and Pirates of the Caribbean are both in sound editing, but they're also in sound mixing, but Finding Nemo is nowhere to be found in mixing. I wonder what that's all about. I don't know. Ah, fucking sound categories. Every every year it's always so fucking complicated and does it make sense and hard to quantify? Let's just stop it. Stop doing this to me, Oscars, every time. Yeah, quit it. <laughs> just combine it. Give us best sound design and just go with that. I mean, they kind of have started that, but then they just called it best sound. So, like, we're right back where we fucking started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. They make they make a change, and 10 years from now, they're going to make a new change, you know? Yeah, best noise. <laughs> um, but... Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, I I give their win to Return of the King. The sound mixing for like the Nazgul and the you know the Dead Army and Gollum, like very distinct sound design in Lord of the Rings. So yeah, go ahead, take that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, so how do you feel about the Last Samurai and Sea Biscuit just as movies? I like them. Uh, you know, I like the old White Savior movie. You know, <laughs> reminds me reminds me why I'm upset. And uh, Seabiscuit, you know, Seabiscuit's good, you know. Who doesn't love a good optimistic racehorse Great Depression movie? Um, me. Oh. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just, to me, it's like totally fine, you know. Um, I, I, I like, I, I was inspired, but also now as an adult, it's like, that was up for best picture? Come on. I don't know. I was just, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean's better. Yeah, Finding Nemo's better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Last Samurai, though, I think is a good watch. I think it gets a bum rap because it's a white guy in a samurai outfit, but I think the movie's more than that. So I, 
I do like The Last Samurai. I, I I do too. My mom loves loves that movie, and she she showed me to showed it to me and my brothers when we were a little you know probably a little. It wasn't in two thousand three, but it was know, around around there, right? Now it's probably ten, eleven, twelve. I don't know. And I just remember, uh, oh, this is so intense, you know. Uh, like I've never seen anything like this, and so I I loved it. Like in my middle school years, then I saw it again later on. And I was this this is pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty good, and I still feel that way. I think you know, Mister. Mr. Cruz is putting in a good performance and, you know, he's working with what he's got. And yeah, it's not the most fun movie to talk about just because of those aspects. But I, I agree with you. There is more than meets the eye, you know, um, decent flick. So yeah, Seabiscuit's just one. I'm not like, Oh my God, I need to talk about Seabiscuit or I'm going to fucking lose my mind. <laughs> uh, it's just, just where I'm at these days. <laughs> That's funny. It, you know, it's, Seabiscuit comes from, you know, my, it's my grandma. She loves these, you know, inspire, inspirational biopics. And this one's about, you know, a horse that gave people hope at a time where they didn't have hope. And yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I watch it for, you know, sentimental reasons. And personally, I don't really give a fuck about horse racing, but you know, <laughs> I don't really care about baseball either, but I love baseball movies. Yeah. You know, no, I get you on that. My parents both love Seabiscuit and they were like, let's sit down and watch this as a family. You know, like this is like, it is that sentimental, like, ah, don't you just feel better about yourself now? <laughs> you know, it's, and that's okay. That's okay. I just don't want those movies in my best picture category. <laughs> <laughs> you can't cut out the Oscar bait at the Oscars. Then we, then we don't have, ah, what do we have left. It's true. It's true. It's true. You can't win them all. Um, best makeup. We're back to the three, three big dogs from this year. Uh, Lord of the Rings takes the win. Beating Master and Commander and Parts of the Caribbean. Ah, uh, hmm, interesting. Best makeup, yeah. I mean, when you consider that the entire goddamn orc army is, yep, makeup like all individual actors made up to look differently. That's an incredible achievement of makeup design. So that that wins it easily. <laughs> that's all I need. Yeah, that's all I need. Right. Um, Parts of the Caribbean, you got yeah, you got some interesting stuff on different characters, including Jack. But like Master Commander, I don't know. I I just think Lord of the Rings has this like has makeup, makeup and spades. Like it just it rules. It's it, like you said, the whole orc like race is is probably so it was probably so much work and very creative, very very creative, bringing those to life, nailing that aspect of those of of that story of those movies was so crucial like if the orcs looked dumb i mean it would take it, it would ruin so much of of what we're going through but the fact that they're kind of scary believable and look like you said different like they all have their own identity hey, why can't we have some meat you know like you got like the scrawny squirrely ones and you got like they are not for eating you know <laughs> like you have these different you know like well, people basically it's just ah, it's just brilliant stuff well in return of the king you've got you know I think his name's Gothmog. They're like albino leader who's got like the bum hand. Yeah, like, uh, looks like a fucking walking yeah. tumor. <laughs> yeah, he's disgusting. Yeah, and he stands out, and you know, all, yeah, it works. And funny how you mentioned like when the orcs look dumb, it doesn't work because we saw that happen with the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah, yeah, and it like, look at those movies. Nobody fucking talks about those ever. Yeah, when you make them in a computer, you know, it's like instant coffee versus like a French press. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. 
it's like it's like modern yeah modern cgi versus john carpenter's you know the thing you know yeah it's just it's not not cool not as cool yeah made with love matters regardless yeah. of what you're making yeah if you buy if you buy a cookie that was just frozen you know somewhere and someone just threw it in the oven for 20 minutes versus me you know taking taking my time with it you're gonna enjoy the cookie i gave you more that's <laughs> just that's just how it is i can't my make cookies time- but you know <laughs> My all-time favorite version of that is SpongeBob when he competes against King Neptune for like the best burger, and Neptune yes. makes like a million of them with this like power of the gods, and SpongeBob's just like on a grill making one patty, and he makes a delicious piece of food, and everyone hates Neptunes because they taste like shit. He didn't care. Yeah, I love that. I love watching SpongeBob just like slow and steady wins the race, you know, and he like does like the smiley face with the condiments, and you know. Places the pickles in the right spot. You know, I want that burger. That's the Krabby Patty I want. He's, I love when he starts reading a bedtime story. Yeah, he tucks it in with the lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob's a great fucking show, dude. Yeah. <laughs> For, first few seasons, anyway. Uh, got, got, first three. Gets first three are gold. Then it's like, then the movie, and then on out. Yeah, especially season one. Like, season one has some of the best comedic stuff I've seen like in my entire life you know uh, the whole monitor <laughs> that stuff is really really funny uh, I've always always loved that show but yeah makeup we're both on the return of the king uh, side here so uh, last category that we'll bring up when it comes to pirates is best actor in a lead role now this is kind of what we were alluding to earlier in the episode just kind of how special it is so we won't dive into that too much because we already kind of went there but it's very cool that Johnny Depp is here. Uh, he did not win. Mr. Sean Penn won for Mystic River. Great performance. I personally think it's teetering on like the best lead and best supporting in that movie. Like he's not in it a ton, ton, but he's he's in it. It's, it's like if he's up for best actor and he wins, then why wasn't Daniel Cooley up for Judas and the Black Messiah? You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where it's like, all right, I, I get it, but. I don't know. He's not in it a lot. Like, there's plenty of screen time without him um, to where it makes it seem like he's a little more supporting. But I don't know. I think he's great in it. He beat Johnny Depp, Parts of the Caribbean, Ben Kingsley, House of Sand and Fog, Jude Law, Cold Mountain, and Bill Murray, Lost in Translation. This is a fascinating group. Do I think they all deserve to be there? Not quite, but it is a cool group of actors. Yeah, you're right. Uh, for my prep, I watched House of Sand and Fog, Cold Mountain, and Lost in Translation, as well as Master and Commander. Yeah. And uh, I got to say, Cold Mountain can go fuck itself. I'm, I'm over that. that. It's not a good movie. And I'm tired Pretty of people. Pretty slow. It's me it is. Pretty slow. Yeah. Yeah. My God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, you want, if you want to take a nap, throw Cold Mountain on. Yeah, pretty much. It took me all day to watch that goddamn movie uh lost in it's translation. not it's like not that long i think it's like under two hours but it feels oh no it's two and a half okay no, it's two yeah, and a half all right. it's a slog <laughs> okay i thought i thought it was like right around two two and a half it, yeah, it, it is a hike up the mountain without snowshoes my friend <laughs> yeah. i will not be doing that again <laughs> no no don't i don't blame you and, and with this cast what a shame you know this is the only time I've ever not liked a Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. And I hate that this movie did that to me. Now, see, I like him in it, and I like Brendan Gleeson in it. Everybody else is, like, fine. 
I do like PSH in it. It's just unfortunate that he's in the movie. I don't like his. I feel like the voice. You know, I I am a preacher. Like I don't like that. It's fucking obnoxious. I'm like, this is the voice you went with, dude. And you're you. He gets caught trying to drown a slave he impregnated because he's like, it's better for everybody. So they don't. So they don't whip me in the streets. Like, what the fuck is this? Uh, yeah, I did not care for it. Uh, I don't know why Jack White's here. I <laughs> oh god no. I, I like Jack White's music. Do not like his acting. Tell you tell you that. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson and I, to an extent Renee Zellweger are trying. Everyone else is kind of just like there. Yeah, it, which is insane. I mean, all the way down the line: Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, Renee, uh, Brendan Gleeson, PSH, Natalie Portman, Donald Sutherland, Giovanni Ribisi. Ray Winston, uh, Charlie Hunnam, Jack White, you know, Ethan Supley, Jenna Malone, Melora Walters, like, holy fuck, that's like a Wes Anderson cast right there. Like, just out the, talent out the wazoo, yet this movie's boring. Like, it's really sad. Truly. Uh, so once, so I've seen it now, so that's the end yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen it once. I saw it maybe seven eight years ago like it was a while back i i remember looking at the cast and i was like i don't need to i'm not gonna look up what this movie's about i'm just gonna watch it and i watched it and i was like okay when does it start <laughs> you know hour and a half in i need to go outside and stretch you know like i was just like it t- It also took me all day to finish it and like i i remember i called my mom and i was like have you seen cold mountain my mom's like yeah i like that movie and i was like watch it again because <laughs> I think she she just is obsessed with Nicole Kidman and Renee Zellweger, you know, and those kind of actors. But like, I, I mean, oh no! And this is Anthony Mangella. I usually like his stuff. I, this is just not it. This ain't it. Yeah, I also hate love stories about relationships that are like instantaneous, where people fall in love after knowing each other for like a day and a half. I I, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, man. This. It's like West Side Story. It's like fuck out of here. That ain't that ain't love. That's lust. Just call it what it is, dude. Like they want to bang. That's it. <laughs> like I left West Side Story out of my thesis because I didn't want to watch it again. Yeah, it's, it's just like fuck it. It's more. not worth it. I'll stretch Touch of Evil. That was a good movie. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Yeah, stretch out the good one. Yeah, yeah, um, man. Oh, I, I'm glad you watched Cold Mountain because now uh, it was up for Best Picture, I believe. So now you you can just fucking skip it. Yeah, I've cleared 2003. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I, I anticipate we will do 2003 later on in the year, like maybe towards the you know fall, winter, uh, towards the end of 2023, just as like a it, – it'd be really cool to give out awards to Return of the King and Return of the King only and talk about all 11 categories again. So I'd love to do that. Yeah, that'd be a blast. Give me an excuse to rewatch Mystic River, which is, it's been a while since I watched that one. That is one of my favorite Eastwood movies, yeah. Yeah. Lost in Translation, I didn't think I was going to like that much because it doesn't really have a plot. But yeah, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson are pretty damn mesmerizing in it. And it feels like a real relationship and real people. And I, I like that a lot. Uh, yeah. So that was good. Bill Murray was really good. House of Sand and Fog blew me the fuck away. That's, that's so good to hear. That's the one I haven't seen. I'm all the ones that- I've talked about. That is one of the darkest movies I have ever seen. An ending that will fuck you up emotionally to a degree I was not prepared for. Good, good, uh, good. So much so that Ben Kingsley is my pick for best actor. Oh, I love that. Love, love this. This is great. 
Yeah, okay. it consistently. Yeah. Like it, at first you're like, no, Jennifer Connelly's totally in the right. Give her back her house. But then you're like, but she's not going about it the best way. They have a, like you're constantly torn between like who the hell is in the right here, who do, where do my loyalties lie? And by the end of it, you're like, oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> like it's such a dude. Oh my god, watch this like soon. <laughs> okay, what's it on? Uh, I watched it on Prime, I believe. Perfect. I have that. Yeah. Okay. Um, that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I've been torn lately. I, there's a lot of stuff I've been wanting to watch, but then I'm also like in the back of my head. I'm like, I got a lot of shit to get to. Yeah. If I want to, if I want to fulfill the pact we made for the, all the <laughs> Oscar movies, I still probably have like 17 movies to watch. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of them, I don't like blonde. I don't want to watch blonde. So I'm like, yeah, I'd rather watch house of Santa fog, but like, fuck man, time. Uh, Santa Fog is on Paramount Plus as we speak, so that's I have that too. Okay, all Uh, right, good. Yeah, and a lot of these movies. I feel like we should just meet up one day and just knock a bunch of these out. Yeah, like watch like five in a row, just all in one day. Uh, All the bad ones, you know. We knock out all the long ones. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and then there's some that, quite frankly, are not available right now, and I'm not I'm not paying until I have to. Yeah, so. I'm not dropping 20 bucks for the Fablemans. I, I'll watch it. I'm looking forward to watching it, but no streaming service is getting 20 bucks for me. I made that very clear when Disney tried that shit. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that one. I'm waiting for Avatar to be on. I, I, you know, I'm not paying for either of those. There's just, just no way. Um, feels like $3 maybe, but it ain't. So, uh, yeah, I think right now the ones I can watch are RRR, which is on Netflix for best original song. Blonde is on Netflix for best actress, uh, or no, best cinematography, or I don't know, best actress. It's, I don't. It's know. actress, no. yeah. Ana de Armas got the nom. Stupid. Um, I watched Empire of Light. That's on HBO Max. I actually kind of, kind of liked that one. Some of, some what of was, stories. What was that up for? Empire of Light. Cinematography. Roger Deakins. Yeah. Would, of course. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad the movie is. Deakins just puts on a fucking show and it does look incredible. I actually liked it a lot more. I thought I was going to hate it, you know, just cause it got completely bombed, uh, got destroyed critically. Uh, but I don't know. There's some aspects where I was like, Oh my God, there's something here that like could have completely rocked me. Um, they just take the story a couple ways that I didn't like, but anyway, that's available. There's a few others that I can watch right now, but I mean like, like um, to Leslie and living and, avatar and the fablemans like there's a lot i just I, there's one of the documentaries that just aren't available right now so we'll just have to wait uh we got about, about a month uh actually exactly a month now um it's february 12th as you're listening to this on on, on sunday uh the oscars are march 12th it's crazy right you know so i do want to get to those i want to fulfill the pact you know <laughs> i want to try my hardest anyway to get there it's just, man, there's so much other stuff I, I'm like more interested in in my free time. And that includes, you know, at World's End, now the House of Santa Fog, you know, things that I just want to want to do in my own time. But uh, I, I hear you. Ben Kingsley, that's cool that you that you were so swayed by by that single viewing. I love when that happens. Um, I don't think anybody. I haven't seen that one. So if I'm taking into account the other four performances, I don't think anybody is like blowing me away. Uh, so it's like hard to give this one out. Uh, but if I had to, it'd be Bill Murray. I think, I think Murray in Lost Translation is just like straight up, straight up charisma, 
like carrying that movie. And there's so many moments of him just being like, like harnessing that charisma that we know him to have and harnessing like the comedic timing. And I don't know, it's just kind of like a understated movie stars performance where it's like, I'm just staring at this guy and that's super effective and super powerful. Uh, and I, I do like the movie a lot. So I I'd go to bat for it any day. Uh, Sean Penn's great. Johnny Depp's great. Jude Law, eh, not so much. Love that guy, but sounds like I need to see House of Sand and Fog to see if I'm in the same boat as you with Ben Kingsley. Well, I also just didn't know Kingsley had it in him. I've never really been all that impressed by Ben Kingsley. I mean, I love Sexy Beast. I thought he's great in that. Yeah, um, he is great in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking nuts. Um, I have not yet seen Gandhi, so I can't judge that. Yeah, that's his other, yeah. Yeah, that was his big win. But House of Sand and Fog, his character is just so fucking complex and he's holding back so many different emotions except like towards the end where it all just floods out and you're like fuck me man like i get it it's so hard to talk about it without spoiling it because the 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 moment you'll know what the moment is but it's like everything changes and all of a sudden you're in hell with them and it's just i was i did not i i didn't know anything about this one going in and i was floored and i love when that fucking happens uh, when I, I I watched the last like twenty minutes with my mouth open, like just nothing else was happening. <laughs> sick, sick. I love that. Love hearing that. That's good news. <laughs> yeah. Good news, man. Um, let's see what 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 else would Pirates be up for for you as we close the show out here? Oh, supporting actor and score by a mile. Yeah, supporting actor for for Jeffrey Rush. Uh, who do you take out? Uh, I have not seen the cooler, so I guess that one. <laughs> yeah, and you know Alec Baldwin. Uh, yeah, you know tough stuff these days. Uh, I ain't taking out the other guys. So yeah, I mean, I've only seen like half of In America, and that was when I was a young kid because my mom took a film class when she was at community college, and they would show the films, and uh, you could take your family and watch the movies. And they were showing the Wizard of Oz and we go there and they're not showing the Wizard of Oz. They're showing in America. So weird, weird. We watched like half of that. And then my mom was like, this, this is boring. We're going to go home. And I was, you know, I was in no position to argue. So I went home. So I don't remember it that well. I remember thinking like this Irish family is boring, but you know, I was a kid. So I want to give yeah, that yeah. A, a full shot. <laughs> yeah. And he's great. So yeah, you know, you, you, you want to give it a, give it a whirl for yourself. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, Last Samurai we talked about. 21 Grams you watched not that long ago. I did. Yeah, I recently watched that on a whim. I was going through my movies alphabetically. And I start with the numbers. And uh, that movie was a trip. That was a... It took me a minute to realize it was, you know, basically backwards. But... Uh, yeah. Great performances and just an un- unforgiving situation. I like when movies don't, you know, give me the Hollywood ending. Don't treat me like an idiot. When they show me that, you know, actions have fucking consequences. I love that. It puts me in a very real place, and Twenty One Grams did that by a mile. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I like I like Twenty One Grams. It's it's interesting that Benicio, you know, uh, he's got you got you got traffic at Twenty One Grams there, and back to back years for him. Fascinating. Yeah, and then nothing. Yeah, Which, he had so many like Sicario. He should have been up for. Like he's he's had work that should have been recognized. Since. Oh yeah. I- Love that guy. Tim Robbins took the win for Mystic River. So you have Tim and Sean Penn winning for actor and supporting actor. Um, best score you said. I totally agree. 
I would even uh, go as far as saying best art direction. I'd I'd give it a shout for that one as well. Um, yeah, for Port Royal know, and Tortuga, and yeah, yeah, just the the boat, the ships, like the you know all that stuff is 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 beautiful. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, three two or three more. I would have given it you know seven or eight nominations. That's that's pretty powerful. Uh, and I wish it would have won something. You know, that's that's upsetting. It didn't win anything and. But five nominations is solid. That's a solid haul. That's better than a lot of, you know, classic, you know, uh, kind of cult movies. You know, that's more than most Paul Thomas Anderson movies. <laughs> five no- five nominations. That's more than most uh, David Fincher movies. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's fun. I wonder if these people, like, compare Oscar nominations. You know, like, is Gore Verbinski like, yeah, my film got five. How much did yeah. yours get, Dave? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, Paul Thomas Anderson, your last movie, Punch Drunk Love, zero. Was that was that what I heard? Zero nominations. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, oh, <that> <laughs> you know, I I doubt it, but you know, it's just fun to think about. Uh, Spike Jones is like handing him an Oscar, like here, I've got plenty. You want to want to use that to hold your hold your re- rejection letter down there? Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about that, bud? Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, I think it, I think people do care. Like when you get recognized, it's got to feel good. But um, at the same time, at the same time, it's clear that Gore Verbinski is like, I'm having fun making these movies. Well, I'm looking right now at the at the uh, nominations from that year. Live action short film, fucking William Zabka, the bad guy ah. from Karate Kid, Cobra Kai. He got nominated for live action short. Nice. That's, neat. That's interesting. Yeah, that is that is cool. I had no idea. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I don't, you know, never. That's the, the those are the categories I have never paid any attention to. The short categories, all three: live action, animated, and doc. I've never looked at them ever, like in any cat in any year. I got to start doing that. Yeah, it's tough. You know, um, it's they're hard. They're just hard to get to. They're hard to to access. I, yeah, you and I, I think, are trying our hardest to knock out all the feature films that are at the, this year's uh, Oscars. And if we can, it's a big, that's a big, big maybe. Get to the short films. We will. Like, I have no problem paying whatever 15 bucks at Embassy uh, here in San Antonio to see them back to back to back uh, like they did last year. I just missed it last year. Uh, I'll, I'll do that. I have no problem with that. I like short films. I, I'm cool. With it. They're just hard to find. Yeah, and I don't. I've I've seen very few short films, like some Chaplin comedies and like whatever Pixar's got that year. Sometimes, so I, I'm very like I, I don't have a lot to talk about when it comes to short films. I, I I've I've seen a ton just because Criterion does them all the time. I'll just put them on like on, quite frankly, like if I'm taking a shit, I'll I'll watch a short. You know, <laughs> I'll watch a short for you know five six minutes and then all right, time to go. Uh, if I'm, if I have to kill time at say, say the, the waiter or the fucking hostess at a restaurant, it's like, Oh, it's gonna be a 10 minute wait. I'm like, cool. I'll throw on a short here on criteria on my phone and then, then go to the table. You know, I, that's like a good little time filler. <laughs> the glowing endorsement, short films, watch them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Watch them when you need something to do for five to 10 minutes and you never know. Uh, isn't that great? Uh, this has been fun, man. It's been a fun episode. Uh, as I expected with these, you know, these movies are great. We obviously had to shine, shine some love on the Dead Man's Chest and at World's End. And again, one day we'll do both of those properly. Uh, let's see. 
this week we've got some interesting stuff on filmgasm it's going to be the new york ninja that'll be josh and connor doing that connor no. shaking his head that'll be josh oh. and caleb i'm walking out of that one. Oh, beautiful <laughs> that's, that's that's hilarious yeah um, we uh Originally, it was because the, the film was only released uh, on a special Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, which Josh made me watch when I was up there. I was I was hoping, uh, oh, I can get out of this. But no, they were like, we're going to watch New York Ninja. And I was like, OK, I guess I'm watching it, too. It wasn't bad. It was just very weird. Uh, but it is now available to stream on several different services, which is kind of funny. So it kind of defeats the purpose of them having to do it. But I'm going to make them do it anyway and sit this one out. No, there you go. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Get a good old, good old, good old filmgasm with uh, Caleb and Josh. So that'll give you the Wednesday off, uh, and then Friday, be on the bad, the Zodiac Killer. Never seen it. Yeah, this is kind of outrageous. This was made in 1971 in the middle of the Zodiac Killer's spree. Like he was active, and they're like, they made a slasher film about the Zodiac Killer, and people were like, "What the fuck? Why would you do that? This is so insensitive." And the film got kind of buried. So now it is available to stream on Tubi, and apparently it is that bad. So we're going to go ahead and rip that apart. God, yeah. I, I almost don't want to see it just because I don't want to, you know, go down that road. You know, there there is a movie that I can watch, you know, that is good. That's yeah. out there. I don't think this will hurt your love of Zodiac, but I do think that like, I'm curious to see, like, what, what was so horrible in 1971 that people were like, Oh my God. I, I'm yeah. I, I bet it's just, you know, the fact that it existed at all, that in the middle of a killer spree, they're like, let's make a movie about the guy. And he's a creepy bad guy. It's like, this guy's yeah. real. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. God. That'll, that'll be fun though. Cause it's always fun to just bring that whole like realm of, of thought, you know, up with the, the Zodiac killer and the kind of media surrounding it is, is always fascinating. So that'll be good. And then next week on this show, we're going to be having a lot of fun um, going back to 1999 because when in doubt, that's what you do. You know, uh, you go to 1999 and honestly, at this point, we might as well just knock them all out. Might as well knock out every 1999 movie that was nominated this time, though. It's uh, it, it really is a uh, one of the best films of that year, whether it's whether it's Oscar related or just straight up movies in general. That's The Matrix. So that'll be that'll be a blast. We did it on Filmgasm a long time ago. And we've Connor and I have always made a pact like, all right, we, we're going to redo it. We're going to redo it proper. It was not it was not as good of an episode as it should be for for a movie that we both have as a 10, like straight up, you know. So this is a yeah, this is a five star 10 out of 10 movie for both of us. We need to bring the heat. We're going to next week. Yeah, it was a bonus. And we just half asked the bonus. We just wanted what to was, keep talking about shit. Was the cell the episode? Wow. OK, yeah, that's what I, we I, did. I, I like the cell. <laughs> I kind of like the cell. I, I wanted to like it more, but you know, it's up for best makeup. We could do that too. <laughs> it, it's I, I liked it so much because of uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. He, he's just so cool in that movie. Um, I, that's what I remember about it. Yeah, he's pretty badass. But yeah, The Matrix deserves its time in the in the spotlight. It deserves a proper conversation, a structured conversation, and we're gonna finally do that. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. It's gonna be fun. Uh, in the meantime, uh, fo- follow Connor, Connor95 on Letterboxd. You can follow me. Uh, just search Austin Johnson. Good luck finding because there's a lot of us. <laughs> but uh, I should probably get like a better username that's more specific. Uh, oh, well. Or you can find Connor and then find me uh, on the people that he follows. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We both are 
always, you know, kind of uh, logging the movies that we watch on there and putting up reviews and whatnot. Uh, check out the website, filmgasm.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Filmgasm. Uh, keep watching movies, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday.